I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 10 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and really excited to chat with this week's guest, Kelly Johnson. Kelly is a JUCO college tennis coach. She is a former junior player. She has worked in the tennis industry as um, in all different aspects, which we'll get into during our conversation. She runs a nonprofit. She also runs her own podcast that she had me as a guest on recently, which is kind of how we connected. So I'm really excited to have her on the Parenting Aces podcast and have her share her story with all of you. Um, before I bring Kelly on, a couple quick announcements. I want to make sure that if you haven't done so already, please consider becoming a premium member of Parenting Aces. You can do that by clicking on the join button on parentingaces.com. And we'd love to have you be part of our community. Also, we have groups on Facebook for parents only, for parents and coaches, for industry people. We have a Twitter feed. We have Instagram. We have a YouTube channel. So please consider joining us on all of those various social channels. We'd love to have you again as part of our community. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. All that said, let me bring Kelly on and jump right into this week's conversation because we have so much to chat about. Kelly Johnson, welcome to the Parenting Aces podcast. Yay. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm excited to be on Parenting Aces and to talk about tennis and just provide a lot of great takeaways for your listeners. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to have you. And it's fun to have a, a fellow podcast host because like, you get it. You get how sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to talk about this week? And you, know, you have this great guest and you just want to make sure that you give them the opportunity to shine and share all their knowledge. That's what I'm here to do for you this week. You've recently started a new job with Adidas. You want to tell us about that really quickly, and then we're going to backtrack into your life in tennis. Sure, yeah. Thanks for the intro, Lisa. Uh, Yeah, so as she mentioned, um, I work at Adidas. Um, I have headquarters in uh, Portland, Oregon. I'm currently working remote during this time where everyone is kind of all over the place. But um, what I do at Adidas right now is I'm merchandise manager in our NCAA uh, team sports. So I focus on a lot of the key events, including March Madness, College World 
series in uh, the college football playoffs. So, um, yeah, just a month into the role, uh, my previous uh, experience I was in the sports good sporting goods industry with uh, Wilson Sporting Goods in our racket division, tennis in general. But we'll probably dive in more into my background uh, in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so let's just start and and kind of backtrack to your life in junior tennis. Um, how did you get started playing the sport and Tell us a little bit about how far you went with your junior tennis career. Definitely, yes. So my tennis background, it started right before, I would say, high school age. Um, I did a couple of park rec programs. Uh, My older brother, he's two years older than me. Uh, Neil kind of roped me into the sport, uh, looking for someone to hit against on the tennis court. So kind of just uh, tried it out for more of a social, kind of just seeing what the activity was when I was younger. And then um, high school, um, I saw he went to the varsity level. I wanted to do the same. So I worked my way up uh, over the summer and practiced um, to get on the varsity team. I played singles, um, a little bit of doubles during my high school career. I uh, went to state twice. And then I, uh, from there, I was looking at different colleges potentially to play or um, to enroll at a school that's more academically focused. And I wanted to go to a bigger uh, college just for more experience, kind of uh, network with other people, and just kind of see where life takes me. Uh, my background, um, I doubled majored in finance and management at University of Wisconsin-Madison. So I went for the big school route. Um, but um, even though I didn't play on the varsity team there, I was part of their club tennis program and really um, kicking that off and taking that to the next level. Um, just to put it in perspective, it was very competitive too on the club team. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I, yeah, I was on the board there, and uh, for tryouts, we had a I think a three or four day stint uh, uh, when I was uh, back on club, and we had about 300 to 400 players try out for the for the club team. Wow. Every semester, so um, it just goes to show, um, just kind of. Uh, being consistent and doing something that you're passionate about, which was tennis for me. So um, I got onto the club team. I signed up for as many uh, traveling tournaments as possible so I could travel within the Midwest, go to, I was at Purdue, University of Iowa, Iowa State, uh, U of I, um, went all over the place with the club team, got to connect with a lot of people um, from different schools and see what their passions were and just kind of collaborate on things on and off the court, which was really interesting. It really broadened my um, my uh, focus to not just staying in uh, Wisconsin, but uh, branching out to other cities or um, within the U.S. So um, I'll fast forward a little bit uh, with college. So on the club team, uh, from there, I got involved within the U.S. Uh, Tennis Association. So USTA, I volunteered with my experience. I thought I could um, share my wealth of knowledge with others, uh, both as a student uh, athlete and then also with um, those event coordinators and uh, people that helped, uh, you know, uh, make better adult and youth programs. So um, I volunteered with the tennis on campus, I think, to start with uh, for the USTA Midwest. I had really great experience, again, working with a lot of different uh, like-minded individuals in the sport. Um, and that propelled me to volunteer with the USTA uh, National uh, Committee, which I'm currently on. So I'm currently on both of them at the section and national level. Uh, again, uh, inspiring people to go out and play tennis and continue uh, playing tennis as it's a lifelong sport. So, um, yeah, that, I'd say that's in a nutshell what my tennis background is. And that's also helped me propel, propel me into the professional um, career aspect as well. We can probably touch on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about coaching at the junior college, the community college level. Mm-hmm. 
how did you get involved in that? What made you want to coach and why at that level in particular? Yeah, really great question, Lisa. So um, the junior community college level. So at the time after I graduated uh, Madison, I um, accepted a role at Wilson Sporting Goods. And I also wanted to continue teaching um, tennis. I did some private uh, public lessons, both from all the way from the youth high school level, uh, competitive juniors and adults. And um, I saw the opportunity um, that worked within my schedule at the time. And I applied and immediately filled the role for both men's and women's at Oakton Community College, a Chicago suburb. Um, I relocated to Chicago after graduation. And basically, um, I led the team. Uh, it was a slightly new program. Um, but my motivation behind this was, again, sharing my wealth and knowledge. Um, even though I couldn't play um, on the uh, Wisconsin uh, team, I still want to be involved on that college level. I think that really fulfilled my uh, what I was looking for um, to be on the court with the guys and the the, the ladies out there and cheering on matches. Um, as a coach, um, it's just as competitive and just as um, I'm very competitive as well as my players are. But just being super excited for big moment, uh, big moments, whether they're at practice or matches. So. Um, I did it for not only just um, kind of um, learning more consumer insights on the tennis court, but also just be able to inspire um, others that are coming within the college demographic um, at that ju uh, junior college level. And it's a really great experience, really great opportunity for high-level athletes. Mm -hmm. Sure. Do you feel like playing on the club team, which is co-ed, gave you some additional skills that you were able to utilize utilize as both the women's and the men's coach? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, definitely. I agree. I think from my club experience at UB Madison, it really showed um, it kind of um, everyone came from a different background from out of state or even outside the country. So just kind of understanding from male and female what the different skill levels were and seeing what mm -hmm. different activities we did during practice and then seeing how we can better ourselves too um, as just an individual on the singles and doubles um, with the uh, club tennis, they have that world team tennis format. So they play both singles, doubles, and mixed doubles. Um, so pulling that to the junior college level, um, I was able to kind of modify, uh, make different uh, practice enhancements, as well as I also took uh, my network that I had uh, in the Chicago area to bring in uh, practice people to play against uh, my team, which was really helpful, oh, nice. too. So it kind of gave me the idea like, hey, we can do some rotations on different um, things we offer in practice. And um, that helps us, you know, on the court, then on match day, um, you know, adjusting to different people, uh, opponents and their serves, or if they're really strong at the net um, in the doubles game and in all different aspects. So, yeah, I think it really helped on a diversity perspective. Is there recruiting at the junior college level comparable to recruiting at the D1, D2, D3 level? Um, I'd say it's, I would say it's, there's some similarities and differences, um, similarities. There is recruiting all year round. Um, it's a, it's a full-time job. <laughs> I was doing two full-time jobs at the time, but, um, differences are, I didn't uh, travel as much. Um, I was more, uh, Midwest focused, but there are opportunities for players to come out of state. Um, it just depends on what college or university that you coach at and what the, what the budget is and what they offer and what the requirements are for the student. Um, but I did um, back, I think two years ago or three years ago. Now I think with COVID uh, I went to my, I traveled to Miami for a showcase 
um, to, nice. to view some players uh, down there um, that could recruit uh, for both men's and women's. So um, I think that's offered too at the uh, other division levels as well. Um, so recruitment is just as important, um, whether that the high school tournaments or dual matches, having those connections with the local coaches in your area is so essential uh, to really grow your team and sustain it. Another big difference or challenge I had to face was at the junior college level, um, as a coach, uh, my players are only on the team for two years. So every two years I had a new roster or new group of people if they didn't, if they only played one year or two years. So you have to kind of be open, open to mindset, um, in a sense that you can only do so much and have those short-term goals, but long-term goals and recruiting and having those relationships with coaches or key people in the area, um, tennis clubs or organizations are just as important. Talk about the scholarship opportunities at the junior college level. Yes. Uh, great question. So uh, scholarship opportunities, they are plenty for sure. So um, that was another benefit I had um, as a coach um, at Oakton. I was able to offer a couple of scholarship in different tiers, depending on um, the player and whether on the men's, women's, et cetera, or what their what their background is, depending if they're in district or out of district. That was um, that was a key factor at Oakton. But overall, as a player, um, you just have have just as many opportunities as well as you're able to at the uh, junior college level. Um, take classes for your gen eds, which you already do too at the 4U University as well. So um, you kind of at my school was a little bit smaller. So for those um, athletes and student athletes that are looking for more hands on, um, closer knit bonding um, experiences, not just within the team dynamics, but within the classroom too. That's another plus. I'm staying local if you want to be um, in housing in your area, you don't have to worry about relocating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just those sco- the scholarships are offered. You don't have to have um, you don't have to be part of um, the uh, room and board, or we didn't have room and board at Oakton, so um, those are both offered on the academic level as well as a performance level. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think is so cool about the junior college system. It- as it pertains to tennis is there's a lot of networking that goes on between the JUCO coaches and the D1, D2, D3 coaches, right? Because as you just mentioned, Kelly, JUCO is only for two years and then the players have to transfer somewhere or mm-hmm. be done playing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so every junior college player that wants to continue on with their education has to transfer. They have to go through that process. Mm -hmm. The junior college coaches do such an incredible job of networking and helping their players relocate to the four-year university to finish out their degree Mm -hmm. and finish out their eligibility. Can you share with us maybe one or two experiences Mm -hmm. that you had helping your players do that? Yes. That was another thing I was going to touch on. So um, after from a student, uh, I did a really great job of uh, not just building those relationships with um, the D1 and D2 coaches and uh, to move on to a four-year school, but also those relationships with my students were really important, my players. Um, so I had I had three um, players that I had transferred to different uh, four-year schools and play on the men's uh, school tennis team, which is great to see. Um, it's really great. Now they're recruiting too as well, but going back to their, uh, before I jump into their stories, um, basically we went to national, we qualified for nationals, which was in, um, which was in the Dallas Fort Worth, Texas area. 
um, at Collins College, which is like a 20 plus court facility. So um, I got to talk to other uh, JUCO coaches there and players because um, sometimes the JUCO uh, players there as well have to tra- transfer within schools depending on their eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just kind of bouncing off ideas and see where um, their players are able to fit best fit and best recommendations for okay, which D1 schools are offering this uh, really great supportive with those transfer process processes and et cetera. So that was another great networking opportunity. But yeah, going back to my players that did uh, transfer to play on a four-year um, tennis team and they're do, they they were in the top uh, four level, uh, one through four singles or above, like greater. Like wow. they had really great, really strong players. But um, yeah, with them, I was able to connect them, um, introduce them to the coaches that they're looking to um, apply to or, you know, be a part of those teams. I helped with the recruiting videos as well, which is a major component in providing any additional information as needed. Um, I tried to do at my uh, college, uh, some of the uh, junior colleges, they write different um, news articles or be able to share different photos or video photography um, to help with assisting um, with the the player's journey. Um, In addition to uh, coming from that JUCO level, I know uh, during this time or just in general, uh, college is a financial burden on on um, some individuals. Yeah. So I was able to write some, a few job recommendations. So players out there, if you guys are looking for recommendations for um, whether it's uh, within your college or, um, you know, during the summer, just a short term opportunity, um, definitely ask your coach because they, you work with them on a daily basis, if not weekly basis. So they're able to see what your performance level is and know what your, uh, your what your goals are. Um, down the road. So um, yeah, just job recommendations and be able to transfer. Um, I was able to help with, um, you know, giving them spotlight and helping them, you know, propel the next steps what they want to do uh, full time down the road. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I mean, junior college is a great option. Not, it's not a, a I don't know. It's not a a fallback option necessarily, but it is a really good option for those junior players who aren't ready for a big four-year university. Maybe they need to mature a little bit. Maybe they need to hone their tennis skills. Maybe they need to hone their academic skills, their study skills, or, you know, maybe there's some financial burden that can be alleviated by spending the first two years at a junior college. So I think it's really important for our audience to understand what junior college can offer to players who want to play collegiate tennis, but may not be ready to take that next step at age 17, 18. Maybe they want an extra year or two um, before making that commitment but they still want to maintain their skills or grow their skills if they're at the right program. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's really important for us to kind of expand our bubble and not just think about college tennis being division one, being the, you know, the power five schools, but understanding that college tennis is a much bigger universe that encompasses so many different levels of play and levels of academics and and cost levels, frankly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you hit on all the key factors there, Lisa. And even too, I when I was coaching, I had always on a weekly basis, if not bi-weekly basis, uh, D1, D2, D3 school coaches reach out to me and ask, hey, do you have any uh, players that are right. looking to transfer? So um, the tennis coaching across the U.S. is like everyone is very interconnected and knows everyone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions or just kind of um, look in this direction. 
action, see what the opportunities are, because um, there is definitely a demand for um, players uh, to be on teams as well as scholarship of, uh, opportunities and all the above. For sure, for sure. Before we went online, you and I were talking about your job with Wilson and that that was something that USTA helped facilitate for you. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Sure. Yeah, great. Uh, it was a great experience. So like I mentioned in the intro, um, basically after I graduated from University of Wisconsin-Madison, um, I was able to get my first job out of, co- out of college at Wilson Sporting Goods. So um, what integral or key component of that factor of me going through the interview process and what they were looking for um, in the tennis division was my experience uh, within tennis. So not just playing or coaching, but um, just w- what I knew, the knowledge about the sport too. So um, I volunteered with uh, USCA Midwest um, and that was something before I joined at Wilson. And that was a really great talking point that I had. Um, to them to tell them, hey, I'm knowledgeable about the sport. This is what I've seen on the courts. This is some of the product products or equipment that I, I've identified that are great opportunities for their business to grow. So um, just me being able to um, volunteer with the Midwest, again, um, helping. And that was it. during college, right? That yeah, that was during, yeah, I think I started volunteering my junior year of college, mm-hmm. um, just as I navigated kind of where I wanted to go after college. I um, thought upon like, hey, sports is fun. And I really enjoy this. And I think I have a really great business background for it. So um, yeah, I volunteered at the Mid- uh, Midwest USTA. And then I actually um, became a tournament director too. I think starting my junior year, I was teaching tennis. I was like, well, I teach all these players. Why don't I, and they're always looking for some competitive uh, events to do. Why don't I just host my own tournament? So um, hosted my, I became a tournament director uh, create my own CTA uh, within my non-pro- uh, my nonprofit, and then uh, that volunteer experience, all those uh, things in one kind of bubbled up to me being able to uh, get that position at Wilson. And it's really kind of pulled me through. And um, as a player uh, that's passionate about tennis, I've stuck with it because as you know, Lisa, being involved with the USTA is a lot of fun and you meet so many like-minded individuals that are looking to really grow the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, so you you mentioned your nonprofit, so I want to touch on that too. Kelly Johnson is like the most, the busiest young woman I've ever come across. Um, she's you go on her LinkedIn page, and oh my gosh, Kelly, you got so many credentials up there. You started a nonprofit while in college. Yes. Why? What inspired you to do that? And what were you trying to accomplish? Or what are you trying to accomplish? Yes, great questions overall. So yeah, busy, busy be here. Um, but yeah, I started my uh, Kelly Johnson Foundation, my nonprofit in uh, 2014. Um, this is to provide uh, scholarship and extracurricular support to local high schools in the Midwest area. I originally started with a just focus in Wisconsin, but we've been growing over the years. So now we're branched in the Midwest, hopefully go a lot greater um, as the years go on. But my inspiration behind this was um, I had that entrepreneurial mindset. I really uh, went, uh, when I came into college, I had a few one-time uh, scholarships that I received from Booster Club and other different uh, organizations in the community. I really wanted to give back and do the same thing. So it really motivated me to uh, achieve my goals and really um, inspire others out there. So um, that's I created my nonprofit. I worked with our law and entrepreneurship clinic on campus at the time. Again, just be able to network, um, kind of ask questions um, and gain that knowledge and skill set that you need to run a business. So um, got all the credentials, fill out all the tax information, work, and boom, we have the the nonprofit. And then um, it kind of helped out too with hosting my um, tennis events because 
as a community tennis association, it, it really is good to have that um, community or um, play it forward component. So um, all the tournaments I host now or have hosted, um, the proceeds go towards our scholarship program. Um, so yeah, since inception, we've awarded uh, 15 scholarships. And um, I also create another component where we um, collect um, donations and gear for high schools that are in need. So uh, we've uh, supported four high school teams so far year to date wow. as well. Mm -hmm. That's so impressive. And you have kept that going since your junior year. Mm -hmm. um, you're now a full-fledged adult out in the working world. Like you mentioned, you had this job with Wilson Sporting Goods. You were there for what, four years, five uh, years? Six, six, six years. Oh, six years. Gosh. Yeah, okay. it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and now making the transition over to Adidas, what is your role with Adidas and why did you feel the need to make that change? Yes, great question. So, yeah, a lot has happened. Fast forward over the past couple of years. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> yeah, COVID, yeah, COVID has happened. Uh, we got sports back on finally. So, um, yes, yeah, so six years. Um, I Basically, over the past uh, year or two, I also started my uh, master's, my MBA. Um, so I'm doing that online right now currently. But um, I'm looking to go uh, within my career to more of a manager, higher up level. Um, I'm currently a manager right now at Adidas. So I'm just kind of finding the different opportunities and what I need for my skill set, as well as to set myself apart from others in the industry. Um, sporting goods industry, uh, you can tell there's, it's probably still male dominant. It's, it's tough for me to say right now, but hopefully I can say it differently in years to come. Um, so, uh, with, uh, my work at Wilson just over the past couple of years, just being a team player and working in our tennis division, um, I realized I have a love for a lot of sports too, not just tennis. And I can have that, that business mindset and different opportunities to grow. Um, so, with Adidas, um, my transition there, I kind of, Wilson didn't really have too much for me to go further uh, in Chicago. So uh, me just being open to location during this time as well, um, Adidas uh, found me and I found a spot there uh, in their NCAA division. So this is basically our team sports. So mm -hmm. uh, this includes not just tennis, but we have basketball, football, um, we do sidelines and training, which is like uh, a mix of what you see on players and coaches while they're playing in their respective sports, um, as well as baseball um, and running. So um, a lot more, a bigger uh, assortment of products to look over. But I help with us uh, growing our D2C business at uh, so Adidas.com, in addition to help um, just the tried and true uh, different things that you see at our, our big sports accounts where you see the brand. So whether it's like Dick Sporting Goods or Fanatics or even directly um, at Adidas uh, at their factory stores or uh, premium stores, um, you, the products you see there, I play a key role in making that happen. <laughs> I love that. Can you talk a little bit about what's involved in getting a brand connected with a collegiate program because we know you know my only experience is in college tennis but in college tennis different colleges have different brands on their players and who makes those deals how does that happen who makes the decision and why would a school go with one brand over another Sure. Yeah, that's a lot of great questions, Lisa. So, yep, with the different um, universities and what uh, brands that they work with, um, it comes down to contracts. 
Um, they, uh, for instance, like different schools sign different contracts depending, and each of them, it comes throughout the whole entire calendar year. So not everyone, like University of Wisconsin is not the, it's not due at the same time as Nebraska. Like everyone has different okay. contracts. Um, it also falls down at the different sports programs they offer at the schools. Cause, um, that's what, uh, that's the majority you see the business on, um, different, uh, sports or athletic apparel. Um, that they sell at the bookstores or at their pro shops or wherever. So um, within that contract that comes with a lot of different factors, um, obviously monetary for sure, but then the other benefits or amenities we can offer to a school or institution and it, if it's the best fit on both sides. So um, University of Wisconsin, we were Adidas-sponsored, um, I think, before I, before I started there. I think during when I was in college, I think we were Adidas, and they switched over to Under Armour. I think they're sure still with Under Armour at this time, but um, there's a lot of different schools out there. Um, it really comes down to um, what programs, what their business does, and um, is it a win-win for, for both sides? Um, I can't speak on the whole entire aspect of it because that's more sure. about our legal department and uh, marketing, but um, from my knowledge so far, uh, it, it really comes down to um, just the, the best fit and if the products are right um, for the right for the consumer, um, are we able to help them uh, win not just on the field, but off the field to um, having that those relationships, that community uh, with the students, athletes, coaches, staff in general, um, I think is what makes it hit a home run. Um, sure, mm-hmm. sure. And now with the name, image and likeness, Supreme Court ruling, are you hearing anything about how Adidas is going to be working with student athletes to maybe have individual contracts with them, um, support them outside of their college program? Or what are you hearing? Because there's still so much up in the air and so much we don't know about how NIL is really going to work. Yes, that's another great question. So this is still a work in progress. Sorry, guys, I don't have a spoiler alert for you on this one, but I know it's a work in progress there. It's, it's very, it's a big, um, it's a big, uh, project here. Um, I mean, we're dealing with the student athlete. So, um, right now I know from a brand perspective, we do want to support our athletes to the fullest, um, whether they're on the field or off the field. So it's a matter of just kind of going through, um, what's the best, uh, I guess, practices when it comes to, um, from them playing in their sport and not affecting, uh, what their performance is. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm too new to give you an answer on this one, but maybe, maybe next time I can give you a better update, but I know it's it's definitely a grind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's one of those things that it's just so up in the air right now. And it is, as you mentioned, so new, there are a lot of unanswered questions. Um, nobody really knows how it's going to play out, but, um, it'll be interesting to kind of watch this unfold over the next year or so and, and see how the big brands like Adidas kind of work with the individual athletes while at the same time working with the programs as a whole at the universities mm-hmm. to maintain those big contracts. Uh, a lot up in the air. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we don't want to step on the toes of not just the, the schools that we work with, but then have right. the best relationships with both the athlete too. Because I think the big probably big question is to conflicting schools with athletes. So if in with even transfer athletes, you put in the mix and what if they're, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of different factors. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
All right, I wanna make one more segue while we're talking Kelly Johnson, and that is to talk about your podcast, The Daily Grind. Um, mm -hmm. You graciously had me as a guest recently, so thank you for that. It was really a, a fun opportunity to chat with you about Parenting Aces and kind of how we got started and what we're all about. What kind of inspired you to get into the podcasting space? Yes. Great question, Lisa. So yeah, podcasting, um, the daily grind. So how this came about, we're actually perfect timing on this episode as well. So we're hitting our two year mark for the podcast. Um, Congrats. Yeah, this weekend. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, so we have a couple of different promotions on that coming up, but yeah, the daily grind, how it came about. Um, we started this in 2019. I actually had a co-host, one of our interns at Wilson, um, I worked with, uh, wow. unfortunately he couldn't hang for more than two episodes. So I just kind of went full force at it. Um, <laughs> it's a big commitment. People don't realize podcasting is you have to commit to it. If mm -hmm. you're going to build an audience, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Consistency is key. Um, key to the success on, on podcasting in general, but, um, yeah, uh, uh, rewind back two years. I've been listening to podcasts when I work or just, um, when I'm doing my, in my own daily grind or on the go or wherever. So I was like, Oh, if I listen to podcasts, may I can just start my own. So, um, started the daily grind. Um, it's about, it's very goal driven. So we, um, each and every episode we sit down with a special guest. We had Lisa on our show, um, in season three, and we talk about um, their own daily grind, their daily life, what they do um, to help achieve and aspire towards their personal and career goals, as well as provide uh, key takeaways and opportunities for the listener to uh, be motivated to to work on what they're doing in their own daily grind. So, um, yeah, I basically started two years ago, um, bought some podcast equipment. Um, now, fast forward to today, I actually have a team of four underneath me to help with social media operations, events. Uh, graphic design. Um, it's been quite the ride. The key component though on podcasting is just that consistency as well as just doing something that you're passionate about. So um, I would recommend you listeners out there, if you're looking to start your own, um, think think about it, listen to this on your own, check out The Daily Grind, um, check out Parenting Aces, obviously, um, see if it's a good fit, test it out. Um, worst case scenario, um, let's say if it's not something you can fit in your schedule, no big deal. It's you can do the cool thing is you can do it when you can and it's your own brand. So you can really kind of um, there's a lot of different growth opportunities. But yeah, going back to the daily grind, it really fits underneath our umbrella brand of the, the nonprofit of just inspiring our target audience of the high school, college and recent grads. Um, and interviewing uh, professionals and industry experts like Lisa on the show really add value to our our audience. Mm -hmm. How'd you come up with the name? That was something we kind of just th threw together. Um, my intern at the time, we just uh, were like, how about we call it the daily grind? You know, we're just grinding out there each and every day. And it just hit the spot. And same thing with the logo. I just kind of played around with, oh, this looks really fun. How about this? And he's like, sure, let's do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> And so you do a weekly podcast. And has your audience, have you seen a steady growth in your listener base? Yes, def definitely. Yeah, week over week. Um, if you listen to our very first episode, season one, episode one, to where we are today in season three, definitely you can see our, you can see how we've improved our just the format of the episode as well, well as the guests and how we tie it to key um, calendar uh, dates on, uh, uh, throughout the year. Um, as well as we've now have not just the Instagram, but we're really 
pretty big on Twitter and Facebook and just being having our in-person events. I did a live show last year with one of my nonprofit um, fitness and wellness expos, which was really a hit. So we're trying to incorporate more in-person opportunities for our guests to get involved. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. What is next for Kelly Johnson? Because I know you're not going to be satisfied just working for Adidas and just doing a podcast and just running a nonprofit. There's got to be something else in the works. What? Share, share. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. I think about being very goal driven, um, really want to um, just got my feet wet ideas. So really want to propel my career there. I'm um, just getting involved. Um, right now I'm stationed in the Midwest until our office fully opens. So I'm looking to relocate to Portland, uh, soon, uh, later this year. And then just kind of, um, from personal development perspective, I'm really big into running as well. So, um, one of my nonprofit events I host is our Turkey trot and, um, we have it in November. So we've, this is our fourth annual one. So I'm looking to maybe host other events uh, on the West coast side as well. Um, But yeah, at this time, just kind of cruising through right now, there's a lot of things on my plate with my MBA. So looking to graduate. When when are you done with your MBA program? Next, uh, next summer. So looking to cruise through that. So I got one more year left um, and then kind of look for the next big thing. So um, just kind of being consistent, um, staying focused, uh, inspiring others and providing knowledge, um, helping people in the podcasting uh, space as well as um, nonprofit and sports as well. Just providing opportunities and connecting people together. Like Lisa's a connector. I'd say I'm I'm trying to be just as good. <laughs> uh, I think you do a phenomenal job. If people want to find you, Kelly, what's the best way for them to do that? Either through the podcast or through adidas or just your individual stuff sure yeah great question so um yes for i'll start with our podcast since i just talked about the daily grind um on social we are at daily grind pod pod um and then for my nonprofit, it's going to be www.kjfwi.org uh, that's our website you can find our events programs you can find the podcast underneath there too uh we have some merch available as well um, and then from a personal standpoint, if you want to reach out to me, my last name Johnson is pretty popular. So I'm going to say good luck. But otherwise, if you search LinkedIn, uh, Kelly Johnson, Adidas, I'll probably be the first to pull up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You pop up pretty quickly on LinkedIn. Yeah. That was easy. Um, I It's such a pleasure to meet you. And I got this sense when when you were interviewing me, when the camera was flipped the other way or the mic was flipped the other way that you were somebody that I really wanted to introduce to the Parenting Aces community as well, because I feel like your story is sort of unique, but also, you know, very attainable in terms of the steps that you've gone through using tennis along the way. Before we wrap this thing up, I would love for you to share with our audience some of the ways that you feel tennis has helped you get to where you are now. And, you know, I understand that you're early in your career path, but you've accomplished so much already. Mm -hmm. How has tennis played into that? Other than the obvious, you were a tennis player and you can talk about that, but lessons learned. Sure. Yeah. Great question. Yep. So I'd say like key takeaways on the sport of tennis, um, excuse me, what's been really been able to open up is just from my, my mindset, just having a really positive outlook on things. So, um, as a player on the court, you have those tough matches, you lose those third set tie breaks or different things of that. And I think it's improved me uh, 
by all means, I'm no pro athlete, but um, those those battles that I've had on and off the court, um, whether it's me playing or just watching from a coaching perspective, has really shown mindset-wise is you're going to face challenges along the way in your life, whether it's in your career, your job, or in school. Um, but there's going to be ways you can overcome overcome them or learn from those losses. Um, so that mindset for sure was number one for me in the sport of tennis. Uh, number two, just having that hard work effort, effort um, that mentality. So uh, going back to the grind um, from tennis, I knew when I originally got into the sport, uh, me practicing um, during the off season to get on the varsity team in high school was such a big accomplishment for me back in the day. Um, I think that hard work has really, um, really carried forward throughout um, the sport of tennis and through what I do now uh, in, in my own personal career. Uh, so I'd say, yeah, the hard work ethic, um, it really kind of outshined and I've kind of just stuck with it. And then I'd probably say number three would just being um, outgoing and social, being able to network with others. So tennis coming from my high school, I think my first started, it was a, a mid-sized team. But then when I got to college on that club team, I got to interact with so many people and then now me working in sporting goods, just my network has expanded and just being able to, uh, you know, walk up to someone that has holding a tennis racket. It's a really good icebreaker and asking, oh, what do you play with or who's your favorite player? And then the conversation can just go from there. So, um, yeah, just being able to network. I think uh, tennis has really helped me with that. I love that. Kelly Johnson, you're a very impressive young woman, and I love reading about and hearing about all of your successes and look very forward to seeing where life takes you because uh, the sky's the limit with you. You're, you're opening doors, you're making change, you're impacting your community, you're impacting your world, and I think it's just amazing. And I, I'm very honored that you took time out of your busy schedule to do this interview with me. Thank you so much, Lisa. Yeah, thanks for having me on the parenting. Ace is such a pleasure to share my story with others and inspire them today. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. To my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.